On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Jeremy Kim from Nectar Hard Seltzer. Oh man, we had such a good conversation about their growth, uh, how you know things went during COVID, and then the absolute explosion of this brand since then, and they're only getting bigger and bigger. What an amazing conversation for anyone who runs a brand out there, even you agency owners who listen to this podcast, you are going to want to hear this conversation. Do not miss this one. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Someone on my team thought I either had superpowers or woke up at 5am to crunch client numbers. Turns out, I just used Triple Whale. Yeah, that's what one of their customers said, and he may be onto something. No one has to know the secret weapon to your success is Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform, built to accurately pinpoint your ad spend across networks, making you look like the smartest person in the room. Their robust app helps you clarify your campaign's performance so you can run smarter, faster, more effective ad spends in real time and reap the rewards. Are you a genius? Only one way to find out. Guys, want to take Triple Whale for a spin? Stop by triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling, your e-commerce brand. Today, I am joined by Jeremy Kim from Nectar Hard Seltzer. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jordan. I'm excited to talk with you. Totally. I I hope we touch on some of the points that we were chatting about before, because like every single good episode, it's like, oh man, we have so much that we're chatting about before the episode. That's like, we got to get this on, uh, on tape on camera because there's some good stuff. So before we get into all that, Jeremy, for people who know nothing about you, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Jeremy. I originally was born in the Bay area, um, in California and, My dad's a pastor. My mom's a stay-at-home mom, and I only bring that up because there was nobody entrepreneurial in my family, and I would have never. My dad is a pastor too. Really, PKs? Let's go! Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. I I hardly ever meet them in the business world, so this is this is great. And I mean, one piece about that too, people always laugh because, like, because I'm a PK, but I started an alcohol company. There's a little (laughs) bit of juxtaposition there, but uh, my uh, my dad, my dad, and my mom are are proud of me. Good, so, good, good, good. Yeah. That's that's great. I, I feel like there's also been a separation of that. I mean, it kind of depends where in the church you are, but I think there's been a big separation between the judgment towards alcohol comparatively to when we were growing up, right? I'm assuming Absolutely. you're around the same same age as me. And it was just like, it was such a taboo subject before. And now I feel like it's just kind of come back into like normalcy. <laughs> yeah. And, and also like, you know, the category that I'm in is 
is kind of the better for, I call it better for you alcohol because at the end of the day, hard seltzer is not as taxing on the body, things like that. Oh, absolutely. And we were talking about this before, um, you know, getting into seltzer. Like this this summer, I could probably count on, on one hand the amount of beer that I've had or the amount of beers that I've had. I could not count on one hand the amount of, maybe in cases in one hand, the amount of seltzer that I've had. And, and the crazy thing about drinking seltzer, it's like there's no consequences, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> there's no consequences unless you're an embarrassing drunk. So <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, just, just to go, kind of go back to my background, um, I originally started off in the music industry. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, so I got like below average grade. So I applied to like 14 colleges, got into zero. And okay. so at that point, I was like, I'm screwed. Like, I don't have any natural abilities. I don't come from wealth. I'm not smart. Like, how do people become successful? Yeah. And uh, I was actually my junior year of community college. The teacher assigned the book um, Outliers. Have you read that one? Of course. Yes, yes. Yeah. Love Malcolm Gladwell, everything that guy does. And I was never a reader until that book, and I couldn't put it down. And mm. the, the takeaway from that, I was like, oh, if you work really hard at something and then the right opportunity comes along, I could be the Beatles or I could be Steve Jobs, right? So – um, I love music. So uh, I spent the last years before I was in the uh, alcohol industry, I was an artist manager. And cool. that was really critical for me of understanding storytelling, brand building, marketing, package it, packaging, all those kind of skill sets. Because right, if you start a business, you can go to your parents and show them a business plan and show them the product and then be like, okay, we'll give you a little bit of money. But if you probably went to your parents and said, mom, I want to be a singer, They'd be like, get out of here. Like, go get a real job. Yeah. It's yeah. it's one of the few industries where you can't necessarily you can't raise money necessarily. You have to figure yeah. out how to bootstrap from zero. Yeah. And because of that, I would say music artists are some of the creative, the most creative marketers. And I learned a lot from that industry. I, you know, Jeremy, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I was actually going to um, post about this on LinkedIn in the next day or two and see who in my community was a musician or still is a musician. Um, because I was a musician. I actually toured for, for quite a while. I had three CDs, probably oh, wow. something nobody knows <laughs> that's ever listened wow, to. Wow, that's crazy. I don't know if I told people on this podcast that I did that. But, uh, but it's, so, it's so interesting because so many of the people that I grew up with in that time and in that era that were touring and doing these things are now running awesome businesses. A lot of them are actually really? in the agency world. A lot of them have started their own agencies because they've realized like, like – Promoting yourself as a musician, especially as an independent, an actual independent musician, is ridiculously difficult. There's so much selling all the time, right? You're but you're yeah. selling yourself, and so yeah. you know when people don't show up to a show, you're just devastated because it's not your music that you're that you're feeling. It's you, right? It's like, and so I, th I th there's something there, and we've never talked about this before. But uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I mean, so I like to describe when people go, oh, what does an artist manager do? I really kind of describe it. You're the COO of the company. The mm. artist is the CEO, the founder. They set the vision. And yeah. then you are kind of the playmaker where you're building the team and you're managing everybody around them, whether you're, you know, managing the touring agent, the label, the creatives, the and, and anybody else that comes into the fold. You have to move that ship according to the greater vision. And you're also kind of the CMO in a lot of ways where yeah. for us as managers, we were coming up with crazy campaigns for artists based around their visions and would work together to execute them. So yeah, yeah. that's a interesting, and that'll be a fun research project. I think you'll get a lot of cool data out of that. 
I, I think so too. I, I absolutely think so. So Jeremy, um, let's, let's get into it. I, I'd love to hear about your growth, where you kind of started. Why, why seltzer? Like what, where did this come from? And I'd love to hear a little bit about what we talked about before, you know, you being on the brink. <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm yeah, interested in to hear the, the climb. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like I suddenly, like I definitely burned out from the music industry, but it wasn't like I was like, oh, next is alcohol. What happened was one of my best friends from college, he's, his family owned a craft brewery in New Jersey. And he calls me at the end of 2019. And there's there's almost a sense of panic in his voice. And this is when White Claw was exploding. And he was mm. like, dude, our seltzer's killing craft beer. I was like, what's that mean? And he was just like, all these he was giving me all these statistics it's the first drink where both men and women are drinking it where men predominantly were drinking beer and women were drinking wine and yeah. he was like now it's a split audience and everybody is switching out of beer and all these new drinkers are coming to the category i need to figure out something for my family's business and yeah. you know i was just like okay uh, i like marketing problems and so when we started to kind of observe the landscape we noticed something right away number one everybody was making the same old flavors and number two Coming from the music world, I'm very visual. I like the way packaging looks. And I was going on these, these profiles of, you know, the Anheuser Bushes and the White Claws and the whatevers. And everybody was just posting a picture of the can, somebody holding the can, somebody drinking the can over and over again. And I call him back immediately and I'm like, wait a second. So you're telling me that these businesses are making hundreds of millions of dollars and all they do is post a picture of the can and make the same flavors? He was just like, Yup. I was like, there's something here. And so um, I was talking to a buddy in Shanghai and to shrink the conversation down, I was like, what are you drinking in, in Shanghai? And he was like, oh, same thing as America. And I cut him off. I was like, you guys have hard seltzer? He was like, huh? I was like, you know, hard seltzer, white cloud. He's like, no, we don't. I was like, why not? He's like, I don't know. Hung up the phone. I called back my friend and I said, all right, here's your idea. It's going to be the first Asian inspired hard seltzer. We're going to create these four flavors and we're yeah. going to break it in the U.S. and take it overseas because I knew of how easy of a drink it was. And all my friends that summer were grabbing it and I was also grabbing it. I was like, I knew this was gonna be an international drink. And so that's kind of where the journey began. And at that point I told him too, I was like, this isn't for your family's craft brewery. I'm your partner now. And so that's how- Jeremy, we kind of I love, oh, I love this story. So, so this is just just from from my super anecdotal evidence here in, yeah. in the, you know, I'm in British Columbia. Yeah. I. All I see people go for when they come to a party, they come to our house, whatever, everyone's bringing seltzer all the time. And it's husband and wife together. It's like a drink that they can finally agree on, which, exactly. is, which is crazy. So I'd love to hear where you came up with uh, that positioning, that brand positioning um, being like the Asian seltzer or Asian inspired seltzer. Walk me through why you thought that would be the best positioning. I mean... There wasn't like too much science behind it necessarily, but as I dug in deeper, it revealed three things. And this was what I was mentioning to you before the call. It was like, number one, right? Hard seltzer was explosive. And I noticed around me anecdotally, everybody I knew was drinking it. Didn't matter yeah. age, gender, race, everybody was drinking it. And the second thing was, and also just statistically, it is and continues to be the fastest growing alcohol category in the United States. And it's peaking its head internationally as you're starting to see it in Canada and other places. Um, yeah. And number two, what I was mentioning to you before was the social force, right? In the last 10 years, you're suddenly seeing Asians pop up in all corners of culture, whether it's music, movies, sports, fashion, food. And because of that, right, our culture is permeating into the rest of the, the world where people are looking for Asian flavors and Asian media, like the two biggest media stories last year were Shang-Chi, Squid Games, 
one of the biggest artists that's transcending globally that can't they and only one member really speaks fluent english is bts yet they're selling out stadiums across the united states so that really goes to show the power of the education that's happening of asian culture and the thirst that people want of asian flavor uh, asian flavors in food and drink and then absolutely the third and the most important of what we also took advantage of was the technological force right in what world if I told you five years ago, hey, I'm going to build a drink company, we're going to use a TikTok, a social media platform and phone numbers, we're going to text our community, like how to buy our drink, you'd be like, yeah, right, what are you even talking about, right? Never in our time in history, has there yeah. been technology where you can post to zero followers and go mega viral overnight, and that turns into your real community uh, beyond that. So just right place, right time, the, the storm kind of like, we just hit the timing absolutely perfectly. This month's sponsor is Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across marketing channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Go to triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off today. Now back to today's episode. Now, Jeremy, it hasn't been easy the entire time as you're growing this business. Uh, talk, talk about that and how you were able to, to overcome that. Yes. So in the United States, there's so much red tape in the alcohol industry and, um, it really stems from the prohibition era. So your podcast is about e-com, right? If, if, if we started this pen company tomorrow, you and I, we're a global, we're a global company overnight. We could just go directly to anybody that wants to buy us. But with alcohol, I like to, there's two middlemen that I have to go through to get to my customer. So here's the customer over here. I'm holding up my hand for anybody that's listening. And the customer's over here and I'm on the far left. And so I cannot sell directly to any customer. I cannot sell directly to a store. They could be begging me for the drink and I cannot do it. Legally, I must go through a distributor. And the distributor, uh, so basically I have to go through a middleman to go through a middleman for the customer to finally be able to purchase a box. There are certain nuances with the law and one which happens to fall in California where through some kind of like various, I would say licensing, we are one of the few states in the United States where you can get a self-distribution license and sell directly to a store. That Mm. was an absolute game changer for us for the following reason, right? So because you sign one of these distribution deals, it's not like an easy, there's not a million distribution options. There's very select few, so all the brands are with them and it doesn't necessarily, you have to prove yourself, right? And that makes sense. They have limited time bandwidth. They don't always have time to focus on you. So we had to build our leverage and kind of build our cloud to show them that we were worthy. And so at first, we, me and my co-founder, when we had our first box, this was the end of 2020, we had just survived the beatdown that was COVID, dishonest co-packers, supply chain issues. We literally ran out of money. Yeah. We had our first box and we were so excited. We're like, nobody has these flavors. We're going to like, it's going to be such an easy sell. We went door to door to 200 stores in Los Angeles and got rejected by every single one. And at that point, we were and just what, like, what was the reasoning? A, a lot of so this was in the middle of the pandemic. So and a lot of times, uh, I would say these are like older generation people, they're not like trendy, they're not looking at new drinks. At the time, a lot of business owners were focused on keeping the lights on to feed their families and protect their businesses. And so, so they didn't want to get into anything new, anything risky, they didn't want to try new things, they didn't have cash. Yep. Why would they give up shelf space when White Claw truly was selling hand over fist for them? Totally. Right. Yeah. And we didn't have we didn't even have a website back then. And so 
that was kind of the first obstacle. And I, you know, as much as I hated it, I understood it to a certain degree. And so, but, but we were out of money and we were like, did we just fail before even launching? And so that's when I turned to TikTok because being from the music industry, I saw kids posting videos, playing on their bedroom floor, going viral overnight and signing a half a million dollar record deal three months later. Yeah. And I was like, what a world. What a, what a world. And Instagram at that point had become pay to play. And yeah. it was all about highlighting the most extreme version of your life. Whereas TikTok, I saw this vulnerability and this realness all of a sudden. Totally. And so, Which is what people wanted. I think that's why yeah. it exploded, right? It was like, so like, don't give me that polished Instagram look anymore. Like that's not, people aren't interested. I mean, some people are still interested in it, but I think, I think the vast majority of our consciousness has started to raise where we're like, no, we don't want to fake it anymore. <laughs> And yeah. during the pandemic, like, it's like, I actually don't have the effort to fake it anymore. <laughs> That's very true. Um, no, I agree. And it was just kind of like the counterculture to what people were tired of, um, yeah. which was lucky for us because we, uh, so we make this TikTok video and, and through this entire journey of all our failures, I was always recording on my phone because I was cool. like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this footage, but I'm going to use it for something. And I took all that footage and I made a video. And at the end of the video, I put my phone number because all I wanted to know was, does anybody want this drink or did we miss on this idea? And seeing that you're a spiritual man, and I also come from a, a Christian background, uh, that video, whether it was God shining down on me and giving me a break, that video went viral. 300,000 views in three days. And suddenly I had hundreds of people blowing up my phone being like, where can I buy this drink? Where can I buy this drink? And so we uh, created this website that updates in real time. It's still live to this day. It's called quittheclaw.com. And basically what we said to our audience is we said, hey, if you want nectar, if we get 300 people to text in from a city, we'll figure out a way to get the licenses and do a drop and you can get nectar. So we were doing these drops across the entire United States and the videos are up on my TikTok, literally lines out the door wrapped around three blocks. We were selling out 300 boxes of seltzer in under 15 minutes. Like it was like a streetwear supreme drop. It was bananas. That is Incredible. I'm so, Jeremy, I'm so happy that we had you on or that we're having you on the podcast because this is, this is what it's about. And this is like, I right away think music, like mm -hmm. you, you nailed it from being in the music industry and understanding how to create this demand out of nowhere. Right. It's brilliant. Continue, Jeremy. It's, <laughs> it's about storytelling. But the core of it is purely about storytelling. And that's always a belief that, that we've had since day one. It's like at the end yeah. of the day, you do need to have a good product. And uh, I have some funny stories I could share later about that because you know nobody's recipe is perfect from the beginning of the launch, but <laughs> you do need to have a good product, but to get people to care, like who's gonna care if there's, you know, again, the pen example, if I have two pens in front of you, I'm like, this one's ballpoint, it clicks this way, it has really good ink, this one, you're, you're falling asleep already. You're like, I don't really care. Like, can it pens? write? Come on. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so I would say that was kind of our secret sauce to it all or what we're really good at was telling a story but you know we spent all of the pandemic year doing these drops and really kind of building our community and then from that point right 19 months ago we thought we had failed on this idea we were almost about to have to shut down our business and yeah. today we're now in 1300 stores five states we're entering major retail chains like target whole foods bevmo total wine and uh in a lot of ways we've got to skip the line because we've been really able to build a, a real community that gets behind the product versus just something transactional. Let's talk about how you're leveraging SMS because uh, as anyone know, knows who's listened to this for the last two years, I'm obsessed with SMS. SMS is just yep. 
the most incredible notification channel that there has been as of yet. And I, I'm still, it blows my mind when I, we, we're doing a lot of acquisitions right now. So we're looking at companies and I'm like, you're not leveraging any SMS, nothing. Like yeah. it just surprises me, and and yet the vast majority of people aren't right, or they're or they're maybe dipping their toes and and not having an SMS first strategy. Jeremy, walk me through what that strategy for you guys looks like and some of the results. Yeah, so again, with alcohol, there's so much red tape, even how I'm allowed to advertise online, and also you being an ecom expert, you understand like placing an ad to hopefully drive someone to a store is like really hard to track in any way whatsoever, right? I post the ad, I try to get awareness and. And then maybe I could watch to see when the store reorders to see, did that ad work? Was it something else? Yeah. It's just very, very difficult. So with SMS, what was really powerful was that immediate response that I could have with a customer to see whether or not they went to the store, any issues, this, that, the other. So our strategy was put the phone number and TikTok has kind of cracked down on this. So um, we've had to like sneak the phone number in in other creative ways. And if you go to our TikTok, watch any of the videos, you'll see what I mean. But um, what we were doing is we were creating stories and then we were creating calls to action to get people that really cared into our phone number funnel. From yeah. there, it was it's just getting to know people, asking them what they want. How can I get them to drink, whether or not they're in my state, out of state, whatever it is. And it's just it was very, very manual and it continues to be very manual. Cool. But we are looking at different platforms to kind of automate some of our our uh, communications. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Jeremy, I got to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? I would say our secret to scaling is our secret to scaling is our storytelling abilities, content. We're really, really good at that. So outside of our TikTok, we've also launched a drinking show. And so um, currently the TikTok has about like 58,000 followers. We grew that in 19 months and our drinking show has 360,000, which we've grew in eight months. And wow. in the last month, we've done 20 million views on that alone. And it's just become something where we've kind of built around our community. So I would say storytelling and, and just community building is our, is our secret to, to scaling. Jeremy, normally I don't delve into these answers too much, but what you said yeah. was super, super interesting because it's something that we've talked about with the, all the brands that we own is building out this sort of media machine beside it. What made you think of of having this drinking show alongside of that and how do you tie the two together is it an obvious connection or is it more subtle it's it's a little more it's kind of obvious once i explain it but it's to the audience i'm realizing it's more subtle um so the reason why that we created the drinking show or why we're doing these kind of out of the box marketing things is because we never wanted to be white claw truly the brands we admire are nike apple red bull everybody wants to be a lifestyle brand but what does that mean it means creating beyond the drink that's what those brands do really, really well. So every time we're thinking of ideas, I'm like, okay, what is going to be interesting or valuable for us, for the people involved, and for our overall community? And the drinking show really came about because I was like, okay, uh, everybody and their grandma starts a podcast. I love the idea of one, but there's too many out there. How do I cut through the noise? Yeah. And, and it's at the very point- difficult to get to the like the place that we're at right now where you have – uh, and even for us, having a big listener base is still yeah. only in the thousands, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's yes, we've got a, a lot of listeners in a very niche category, but dang, it took a long time to get to that place, Yeah, right? It's a long, long-term play doing a podcast. Anyway, continue. Well, so I'm going to tell you kind of what our secret sauce was of, of formulating the show. And I'd like to hear what yours is because I, watching your show, I think I know, well, and also being involved in it now, I think I know what it is. But so for us, I was like, okay, everyone in the grandma's making a podcast. What was hot at the time? Hot ones, right? Or it was like James Corden. Also online, I was watching, I was seeing a lot of clips of James Corden um, 
truth or drink. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Hot Ones is amazing for three reasons. One, they have the celebrity appeal. Two, you want to see the celebrity get scorched by the eighth wing. But the secret sauce to it all is Sean Evans, the host. Yeah. Super magnetic. Their, their team or he is really good at researching questions so they don't start the podcast of like, hey, where are you from? Where did you grow up? They just get right into the meat. And then yeah. that combined, the gamification with the really well questions and the witty host creates this kind of magic encounters. Yeah. And so uh, for us, you know, our drinking show is based. Did you ever do a power hour in college? No, I, I never went to college. Oh, oh, amazing. <laughs> well, power like a power hour in college was like a drinking game that we would play where it's like you take a shot of beer every minute for yeah. one hour. Straight. OK, OK. Yeah. And so our show is kind of based around a power hour and we really find out of the box creators that mainstream media is ignoring. But the host that uh, I one of my buddies, his name is Bar Chemistry. He was a bartender on TikTok. So he was making alcohol content. He's got one point eight million followers, but he's super witty and funny. So the combination of him, a guest, the drinking, the just hilarity ensues. And so that's kind of the, the concept of it. But the, the other piece to that was I realized people want short form. And yeah. in that hour, we're cutting down all the pieces to make like really fun, engaging clips that work really, really well in the TikTok algorithm. And consistency over time with TikTok is really powerful. So that's kind of how we've been able to explode that show. Cool, cool. That's great. So is that also hosted on like Apple Podcasts and, and yep. all of that? Gotcha. On YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all, all the platforms. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That is. What's, what's your secret? What's your format? But what do you, what would you say? Or if you can't share, <laughs> oh, maybe I'd say if you're not willing to share the details. No, no, I love it. I love it. Be, you know why? Because there's not going to be any details, Jeremy. That's okay, the, cool. that's the crazy thing. So I, I'll, I'll let you all in on a, uh, on a little secret of how this podcast started. So the reason that we started this podcast years ago is we had a three person marketing agency alongside of all of the, the brand stuff that I was doing at the time. And I really started the agency because I loved helping people. I was doing consulting. I just really wanted to help people. And so we're like, man, how do we get to have conversations? I hate sales. I just hate sales in general, right? But I'm like, how do I get to have conversations with people like Jeremy? When nobody knows me, nobody knows anything about me. I'm like, well, let's have a podcast and let's just invite people on. And so, so, you know, at first in the episode, and guys, this is, this will probably be like episode 400 or something with Jeremy, but I would have these, this long list of questions that I would ask people. And then eventually I realized, I'm like, you know what? The best thing to do is literally just have a normal kind of conversation like we're having and try and get out a few gems out of people every single time that I know we haven't talked about, right? It's something I want to make sure it's like, our audience probably hasn't heard this before. That's the only secret. And then wow. I think there's another secret. I give a shit. <laughs> I literally care. I literally, like Jeremy, these things that you're telling me, I was making notes in my notes app because I'm like, this is brilliant. I can think of one of the brands we own down in, in the States. I'm like, I want to partner with you guys or somebody like that and do this sort of thing. And it's just, it's selfish for me, yeah. right? Because I literally get probably more than the audience gets out of it. And they just happen to get to watch. <laughs> I, th I think that outside of the care, though, I mean, I guess that that reason also encompasses how well this is run. And I guess the viewers don't know this, but even the pre-process of how you guys reached out to me, the interview process to get the story and pull the nuggets to make sure that it was valuable to your audience. I was like, that's the secret sauce, because this this interview right away, you're you're very efficient about it, too, where we're digging into the meat right away and you're saving yeah. the audience the time to have to like 
this is a very, very, very valuable podcast where someone doesn't need to listen for two hours to get the nuggets. So I think your secret sauce is you understand the attention span and the value factor in a short amount of time. And the way you organize those pre-interviews is, is super, super important. Well, I, Jeremy, I really appreciate that because I don't think about these processes that we've set up that we've been using for years, right? So uh, you saying that is, is amazing. Jeremy, I got three more questions uh, for you. Not cool. for, no more questions for me, okay, Jeremy? Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, first question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Uh, so it's this thing right here in my hand. This is a tool. So this is a Pomodoro timer, and I just got it on Amazon. It's like a hexagon oh, wow. shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain and when you that. turn it on. And so what's really interesting is on every side, you see 5, 10, 15. So that's the minutes, or you can set a custom. And what it does is whenever you throw it on that side, it's on, it sets a timer for that amount, right? And so very quickly, I'm setting time intervals. Like, okay, I need to deep dive into this, set 20 minutes, set the timer. And just having something physical there, throw my phone across the room so I can't touch it. It's allowed me to hold focus for way longer because I have the worst attention span. Something physical like this has been amazing. Amazing. Um, devices like that can actually be like earth shattering to your, in a good way. <laughs> if yep. you want your earth shattered. Earth your shattered. It's incredible the amount of work you can get done in 20 minutes if you put your phone away and you turn notifications off. It's incredible. Yeah. Like sometimes yep. I joke, I'm like, yeah, I work about 20 minutes a day because that's yeah. really, it's like you're just nailing into something that's really important in that time rather than clicking around and doing nothing and then maybe I, getting a bit of stuff done. I tried everything though. I tried downloading Pomodoro apps. I tried downloading app blockers, things like that. But just this plus throwing my phone across the room has been game changing for me. The physical thing is way helpful. You just That's stare awesome. at it. Yeah. One other thing, just while we're on the topic uh, about throwing your phone across the room, um, something that we started to do at our house when friends come over is phones go into the drawer when, when people come over. Oh, you um, made guests do it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I encourage them. I said, hey, I'm going to put my phone away. I just want to make sure I'm present while we're hanging out. And um, it's amazing. And then you really notice when people have their phones and you're talking to them and they're also scrolling at the same time. I'm like, wait, are you paying attention? I know I do that at times when I have my phone on me. And, wow. and I don't call them out. I'm not rude like that. But like, yeah. it, you can really tell the amount of actual like depth that you can get when your phones are away. And we're, you know, 10 years into this weird experiment or whatever it is since, since the iPhone came out in Canada, where it's like, we need to change things. We need it's, to, yeah. The, the, the phone to me is, uh, it, when I saw my screen time too, a while, I was like, I need to make serious change. I was just disgusted by how much time, like straight up disgusted. I was like, this is an addiction. And it was yeah. like, it was a hard truth. And I'm still fighting it. I'm still very addicted to it. Yeah. Like all of us, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, second question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? Ooh, uh, so this is more of just for pleasure just because when I want to unplug. But uh, Bad Friends, Bobby Lee, Andrew Santino. It's okay. two comedians. It's two yeah. comedians. But every comedian has a podcast now, but their interaction is just absolutely incredible. So when I'm just trying to like, you know, unplug, that's my number one go-to. Listen to it religiously. So that's the best one. Sweet. Uh, last question for you, Jeremy. This is a tough one. If you could sit down with anybody, they have to be alive. You get an hour with them. Uh, can't be Elon Musk. Who would it be? Ooh. Um, I'd be really interested to meet uh, Jean-Paul DeJoria. He's the founder of Patron and Paul Mitchell. Mm. And he was homeless. Um, and, you know, he's, he, he's a very phil- philanthropic dude. He's not too much like on the, the outward headlines, but just kind of his core beliefs and how he grew his businesses and how he grew 
very opposite businesses like a hair product and uh, a tequila. Just super fascinating to me. So he's probably up there on the list. Well, yeah, speaking of like a demand gen wizard, you know, seeing Patrons rise is like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So that would be a super interesting conversation. Jeremy, thanks for yeah. coming on the podcast. This was really great to chat with you. Where can people find out more about you and then also more about Nectar Hard Seltzer? Yeah, so uh, they can find out more about me. I'm on LinkedIn, Jeremy Kim. I'm wearing a pink wig in the profile picture. Nectar. If you search Jeremy Kim Nectar Hard Seltzer, you'll find me pretty easily. Uh, you can text me. Um, our, uh, all my, my phone number, I answer all, the, I answer like 99.9% of the texts that come in, but, Sweet. uh, our phone number is listed on our website at www.nectarhardseltzer.com. And the last thing I want to add was, was a topic we could talk about the other time is we are a, we believe that ownership is the future. We will be launching a crowdfund. And, uh, so if anybody's interested in that, text me. Can I, I'm just going to just get into that. I have a, uh, I got to jump off here in a minute, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Crowd equity crowdfunding in my mind is is the signal to the world that our our level of consciousness is rising into integration and into other people being involved. Like when people launch these or it's funny, I'm actually raising capital at a couple of companies right now. And I love I, I used to look at it and be like, why would people do that? Why don't you just bootstrap? Like just get loans, get whatever. It's incredible to see how people come together and want to be a part of something. Like, what, like, how wonderful is that? And then even if it's just a small amount, like five grand or something, man, I own 5,000 shares of Nectar. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, there's so many more things than just pure return on it your investment. That. It's it's the future because at the end of the day, right, these people are already doing things. So the, where I like to backtrack is like, when I say ownership is the future for the first time in history, right, kids are downloading Robinhood and understanding I wear AirPods, I have an iPhone, I have a MacBook. Why don't I take my allowance and invest in Apple, right? Yeah. And then the NFT community exploded the concept where yeah. literally things with no intrinsic value to the outward, uh, the, the mainstream audience, they were literally raising VC level amounts of capital because people just believed in the technology or the IP yeah. of whatever that brand was. And so for us, it's like, they're and they're building on top of it. They're doing all this effort to get it out there. Our community has already been doing those actions. They line up at the stores, they text in, they tell their friends. They literally text me when there's out of stocks in stores and are helping us fight through this mess that is the alcohol industry. And I'm like, why wouldn't you have a piece of, if we went out at the end, why wouldn't you win with us? And that yeah. is the core of where my belief started. And and it's it's the future. People want to participate in the things that they own or or that they believe in. Totally. We live in an interdependent reality, right? Whether we like it or not, we are interdependent with each other. It's just actually opening your eyes to the fact that that's how the world works. Absolutely. And the people who understand that the best are generally the best people to hang out with. And they're generally actually pretty effective and successful, right? Mm. Because they understand. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, not okay, Jeremy, it's not easy. No, it's not. No, no, it is not. It's sometimes much more easy just to be independent on your own, not talking to anyone, just doing your thing. But it's, it's not, I don't think what this life was meant to be. Jeremy, Absolutely. thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, this was awesome. I'm sure we could keep talking and talking. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So 
if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.